What's up, everybody? God's favorite influencer here, Mr. Adam X. This is the Pursuit Podcast on the Auto Collective Network. My guest this week, state of the backcountry, Brennan Legacy, I believe is how you pr- say it properly, but I don't know. I butcher names all the time. It's such a fun conversation, and I love this conversation because you know when you're in a hypothetical room with someone who's just so much smarter than you, and you can just listen. Uh, We talk about the climate crisis. We talk about a video project that got disrupted by COVID. We talk about how you can make an impact by just doing little things to, to care, because if we all do one little thing, it becomes one big thing. Uh, So Brennan was such a fun guest. We get a little glitchy. Uh, I think that's Ethan's bad internet. I'm just going to blame Ethan for everything, but it was a riot. It was a great conversation. Before we get into that conversation, I have to talk about my sponsors this week. First sponsor being The Feed, thefeed.com. You guys know them. You love them. And again, what are we doing? We're giving you free stuff. Free Kyoku, a breakfast shake. You guys know it. You love it. It's got greens, broccoli, spinach, green pepper. It's got turmeric and apple and tart cherry. It's got carbs and protein. Here's the thing. doesn't taste like grass. It's yummy. It's delicious. It's got hints of turmeric and cinnamon. They solve the breakfast dilemma. So if you go to www.thefeed.com forward slash the pursuit, we are letting you try it for free, pay $5 shipping, and it's try it. There's, There's no harm in trying it. Let me know what you think. Slide into the DMs. Tell me all about it. And my second sponsor this week clearly many of you know i am not a partaker in this stuff because i am straight edge but the good friends over at woodchuck woodchuck hard cider uh jabber definitely partakes and he tells me all about it how i am missing out uh they have a rosé they have mimosas sangria I mean, no, everyone who has tried this stuff has been like, you should start drinking because this stuff is fantastic. Of course, do not partake unless you are over the age of 21 years old. Uh, On their website, they break it all down on if you want sweet flavors, dry flavors, semi-dry, semi-sweet. Again, woodchuck.com. Check out all their ciders. See what they have to, you know, drink when you're kind of cruising down that creek because that's when the spring that's what we're doing right now. We're floating on the creeks. Again, Woodchuck Cider, woodchuck.com. And uh, that's the episode. That's the ad reads. And here is the episode. Right on. My name is Brennan Legassi. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Um, I am at home today um, on the ancestral lands and territories of the Washoe tribe. Uh, I live on the west shore of Lake Tahoe, California. Happy to be here with you. Yeah, thank you for taking the time. We kind of went back and forth and just couldn't find the right time. And then we just got lost for 10 minutes on the interweb. So thank you for, you know, being patient and making it work. <laughs> I appreciate No that. worries. I won't hold it against you. I could only, you know, I had to end my my morning ski lap this morning a little early, right? <laughs> oh, good. Perfect. Are they still open? They're not open, are they? Open? The backcountry? The backcountry is oh, no. open. But uh Palisades is closed, right? Officially. Um, they're open. I think this is their last weekend this weekend. And then, ma'am, it's still running some lifts into early June. I think I got my 
butt kicked at a tour in the West Shore this year. Um, what's like the super touristy trap? Super touristy trap? Yeah, mm. it's like right by Emerald Bay. Uh, oh, you mean that like where the road closure is? Yeah, but there's a tour right there that like every tourist does ever, and I was like, I'll go do it. And I guess I guess it would be Jake's. Yeah, that was it. Yep. See, you know. Um, well, I know it's so funny though because Torsi, like Jake's, is some of the best tree skiing you can imagine like we all of us like in the most respectful way that you know all over the world skiing all sorts of crazy stuff when jake's is on we are so stoked to run into each other in the dark in the parking lot and go ski pow on jake's jake's is incredible but yes you're right like a lot of people just end up there as their first tour and if you're not used to steep skin tracks and how to get around in the trees and stuff. It can be challenging. It's not like the best entry level kind of situation. I wish I was around to, to show you, show you the way with her from our mutual friend there. That would have been fun. Yeah. Well, I'm fortunate enough to have Onyx map so I could, I could follow the hot spots and like, I could see where people were touring, but I had the luxury of three wonderful beginners just post-holing the skin track in oh, front of me dude, and like no. that and that that skin track is steep um even it when is. it's in it's i've done it before but it's steep and i was just like yeah oh, and i ran into him and i was like all right there's two ways i can handle this i can like educate them or i can like mm -hmm. be a complete dick about it and i think mm -hmm. i was a mix of both but i was like hey guys i'm pumped you're out here but like you're you're like you're ruining this for a lot of people if you're going to continue to do this i think it's time to invest and you will have a better experience. Like, so I was like trying to educate, but trying to let them know, like, this isn't cool what you're doing, but it wouldn't have been be like, I'm, it's cool that you're out here. It's not cool that you're post-holing, but I had like an eight inch, like, like perfect little blown in powder day. I did like three upper laps. It was, was it was like, it was unbelievable. I actually talked to Adrian the next day and I was like, I went to Jake's. I thought I was going to be, he was like, dude, it was insane. I was like, so I hit it perfect. I really like Jake's. I've toured there a bunch. I never remember the name, but I know it's like the spot where every like, you know, my van's got Vermont plates on it and I could just tell I was getting like <laughs> dirty looks from people. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I think I'm okay. I'm supposed to be back here ish. But anyway, um, sounds like you nailed it. And I, you know, I'll just say you did the right thing as best as I can tell. Um, it's super funny. I'd almost run, jump out of my van right now and go grab the sticker. My buddy has these stickers that say, I snowshoe in the skin track. And he tags people's rides with them. And it's a joke. And then on another, uh, obviously, but on another side, you know, I've thought about it in terms of in being real here, like in an inclusivity perspective, you know, snowshoeing is some folks gateway to Zen in the backcountry, right? And that should be acknowledged and supported too. The deal is what you said to those people is literally over the years, because I've been both. I have been horrible in the past. And I don't think that that's really I don't think that's the right way to be like I've been super mean and all of those things at a different stage and then checked myself to be like, that does nothing. What these folks need is a little education. I do find that it's hard, though, because like you're stopping people in their day and they kind of don't really know what you're talking about. Right. Like I've had abrasive. Uh, I've been like, hey, just so you know, you're ruining like the Skinner for everybody. And there's been times where I'm like, I put that Skinner in. So like, you know, 
Um, I'm only saying this because I know a lot of other people are going to be up here today. It's like one of those days you started in the dark and you're going to do tunnel apps or whatever it may be. It's the truth of the matter is it's not the right style and folks should know that. Right. So, but not saying anything allows them to kind of check it. In. So you, you did the right thing, especially on Jake's where, uh, geez, I bet that section of the skin track, you just, someone hopefully rebroke it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I just like, it's a funny thing. And it's like, we're all, we get so entitled sometimes, but it's like, we put a lot of time in on like creating these skin tracks and like research and just investment in dollars to have the proper gear to like make it enjoyable for myself. And then when you go out there, you're like, ah, but I think we're learning as we get older and how I handled situations prior versus how I handle situations now are clearly way different. And it's like, it is a fine line. Like I just want, I don't want to be a dick, but I want you to know this is important. I want you to be out here having a good time. Yeah. But like just set a boot pack. Like that's my thing. Yeah. Even snowshoes. Like I, I pow surf and like snowshoes work great, but like, I don't, Sick. I just yes. snowshoe. I make my own snowshoe track or I find one or like, I don't know. It's just like cross country yeah. skiing and fat bikes, like fat bikes. Like there's room for you on that groomer, but it's not in the tracks. Like those tracks yeah. are for the cross country skiers. So I don't know, whatever, who knows? We'll just rant and rave about everything. Um, <laughs> you kind of hit every notch when it comes to like, who I'm speaking with, you know, a lot of the people I talk to, it's like, okay, you're an athlete or like you're a photographer, but like you're an athlete, you're a photographer, you're a guide, you are a writer. You're, I think you teach at a local college or at least you used to, or you speak publicly, you're an educator. So like, let's just fill everyone in on kind of how you became this ultra human being of like wearing so many different hats well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, it just has all come from skiing in the very beginning. That's the best way that I can organize that. But I do wear many hats. I actually love this new hat that I have too. That was a recent gift and I'm seeing myself um, when you said <laughs> many hats and I'm just like, yeah, Marty, check out this hand, hand done beadwork by my friend, Marty Meaden. Incredible. I love um, that. Yeah. It's a really special um, gift too. If you're really fortunate to have received it, but uh you know, wearing all of these hats. Yeah. It, it really all came from skiing. I mean, skiing is my connection to, um, the outdoor world, to nature. And at a young age, I felt it not knowing what any of these things were and just kind of followed that path. You know, I, I had that voice, like I think all folks do in their own unique ways that kind of speaks to you. Um, as I've gotten older, I, I realize, um, for me, I, I would identify as following the heart and it can be challenging, really challenging at times, but there's been times where I've just wanted to focus on, I'm always, skiing is always there, but whether it was taking a photo or writing the story or over years working with other people and getting opportunities to be like, hey, these people really liked having you take them skiing today. You should guide them and work on guiding as a practice and what that's done for me and seeing the world and um, sharing all these special days with people. It's just been, um, it's it's been an attempt to live in balance in fluidity. Um, but honestly, there's many times where I've caught myself and been like, geez, if you just focused on one thing, perhaps that should be the way, but I, that's not really who I am. So I'm just being honest in the being transparent in the sense of 
that can be challenging. Um, I do really love to focus though. And there are areas in life I know when I am absolutely focused, time is not there. And um, I look at that as the compass to continue to follow, but I do still appreciate doing all of those things that you mentioned because they've all been a part of the craft, if you will. Yeah. And you can always come back to them. Like you don't have to, you know, you might focus on one for a year, like heavily. And then, you know, that project maybe is over or evolved. And then you can kind of put that not in the backseat, but like, you know, it's, I said it to Jabber yesterday. I said, you know, I'm pretty okay at everything. I'm not really amazing at anything, but like, I'm a pretty okay mountain biker. I'm a pretty okay skier. Like, I'm pretty okay at checkers. Like there's nothing that I'm like really, really <laughs> bad at, but like, it's cause I don't focus, but like I'm really into mountain biking right now. And that's my focus. And like, I went, I always go out West and do a big van trip. And I found my focus shifting from what would normally be skiing to riding my mountain bike a little more. I was like, okay. It was like a little light bulb in my brain. Like, Oh, I'm shifting focuses, not intentionally, but just, this is what excites me right now. And that's, in its simplest form, but that's like, I think it's cool to be able to do that. And I think that's what keeps life, you know, refreshing and it keeps you fresh and current and relevant and exciting as a guide. And that's why people want to work with you because you're guiding, you are telling those stories and then maybe you take a break and you go do a film project or a writing project. It's, it's what keeps life. We're not nine to fivers. We're not made for that. (laughs) Not even close. <laughs> it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work. But your focus has always seemed to be, at least from my research, you really care. And I mean that in the most genuine way. But, like, there's a lot of people who are in the ski industry, and maybe I'm guilty of it. I put a lot of miles on my vehicle, and I fly places, and, you know, I love two-stroke motors and dirt bikes and snowmobiles. And not saying you don't, and maybe you don't, but, like, you seem to be very involved with, like, how do we make this world, this environment better? How do we, you know, protect our winners for a be- for a better term? But, like, was that ingrained at you at a young age? How did you get involved in that? Definitely not ingrained in me in a, in a young age. That came through time spent skiing. You know, I started skiing when I was two. And over the arc of life, and I was an athlete um, my whole life, you know, I went to college on a football scholarship up until that, up to that point in my life, you know, like still playing team organized sports. Like that was um, heavy basketball, you know, up until football taking over in high school and being like, this is going to be what, you know, projects you into college, that kind of thing. You know, but skiing was always the jam in the outdoors. And it was always an inspiring feeling. And predominantly that was riding lifts in the beginning um, for most of life. And as that changed into my teens, um, you know, to me, I understand I can I can articulate it better now in terms of this idea of gratitude and reciprocity. And that very much resonates with me. But before it's just what it really felt like to me is skiing gave me so much And I started to recognize that all these places that I really care about have these threats to them. There's environmental threats um, to the places. And then there's threats to these communities that are surrounded around these areas. And the more that I skied and really never wanted to take skiing on in the way that was kind of put on me, like not in the very beginning um, where, where I was born and raised and brought into it, but later in my adolescence, skiing was, was a thing that we did as a family, but it was like, 
you know, on a weekend or for a week or something like that. It was spoken about through my mother in a way that was like, you're a skier and that's why you were born where you were. And we skied all the time and all these kind of things. Um, but for me, it just evolved over time where I just kept doing it and being like, this is an extension of who I am. And there's all these other things that are threatening this. I want to learn more about it. And the more I learned about it, the more I was like, I, I want to be a part of contributing to something. So that's like it at the simplest level. And if I, if I can, I'll just address what you said quickly. And this doesn't really land well with everyone. So and I say this, my students know this because um, I still do teach, by the way. Um, but my students hear me say this all, all the time. And they're like, oh, he's teeing up something when it, where I say, I never mean to be disrespectful to anybody. <laughs> and then I offer something and I can see faces with the students that have worked with me a little bit more. It's like, what's he going to say? Um, but that whole, the whole vibe that you were just sharing with, like, I like these kind of motors and I put miles on this and I do this and that. And I'm like, yeah, what do you eat for food too? What's your diet? Where's it come from? Like what's powering my computer you know, like to talk to you today? All of these things are to recognize that we live in a fossil fuel based world in a petro economy. I mean, you gotta, that's, that's what it is. You can't really escape that. And it definitely means that as individuals, we can look at how we live, audit our lives and alter um, how we live. I mean, I've been working on that um, for some time myself. Do I do it perfect? Absolutely not. I don't do anything perfect. Um, but I think it's really important to think about the bigger scheme of things and what you can do individually certainly matters and is really important, but what can you do con to contribute on larger levels too? whether that's um, building with community to shift policy or really thinking outside of the current systems that are available today into something that just isn't there yet. And I know that that can be difficult, but there's a thought that led me into education, um, which was never a part of my path or, or let me take that back. Never a part of my anticipated path. All I ever really wanted to do was go skiing. <laughs> and um, years later, I found myself pursuing this other path that, again, it just wasn't anything that I planned. I'm through all of these different things. And, um, you know, I think the line that sticks with me quite often that, that has been with me for a while is incremental acts lead to cumulative change. And I think within that, you can find a lot of the incremental could be like, yeah, maybe I'll ride my bike and not take, you know, drive my car where I would have. Or, you know, what? for some people, it's a big deal to not eat animal products. Right. Um, and say, you know, I'm not going to eat meat on this day or I'm going to do this. I'm going to curb my carbon footprint, these incremental acts. But the cumulative change, you know, that's what's really necessary to avert the continuation and perpetuation of the climate catastrophe and all these other things. So I could just start sending now for days, but I feel like that's like back to you to however that feels, however that landed with you. No, I, lo I love that. And like, I'm in a van full time, so I drive a lot, but like I have like my power comes from solar. So like I'm, maybe I'm offsetting a little bit in some way, shape or form. And like, there is no, you know, I, there's two ways to look at it. And I think the way that you look at it is so just smart. Like, cause I can look at it like, Oh, I do this and I do this. And if I don't eat meat for a week, does that really change anything? I don't know. But then you can look at it and be like, Hey, if we all maybe ride our bike one day as a community, maybe we can actually see like start to see some, you know, changes and some offsets and like, 
it is a lot of little things that create one big thing. I mean, look at the internet. Like it's, you know, it's like if we can get all these people to care about, you know, riding your bike to work for one day and then maybe study that day and look at that. And maybe there are studies, but look at that offset that we had on that one day. Yeah, maybe it is the little things that grow into this big thing. I I mean, I literally wrote like, can we actually stop it? It's like one of my notes. And I think you answered it. Like, I don't know if we can actually stop it, but we can try and we can start. And maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's what I absorbed from that was like, we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. Everything is oil-based in some way, shape, or form. Our computers, our plastics, like we need these things to live. But what can we do to move forward and slowly maybe burn into a cleaner, (laughs) burn into a cleaner world? (laughs) Totally. But that's, that's really it. I mean, we can talk circles for days around the whole situation, but as long as reliance continues to be, if we're speaking about climate on fossil fuels, the the problem is going to, going to persist. Right. And you can't put those burdens on those who have already had disenfranchised or marginalized backgrounds as well. And you got to get it to the policy level. You know, you've got to get it to decision makers who hold the power that actually say yay or nay on something in particular. Like, I think we're living, we're always living through opportunity in various ways, depending on how you see it. But right now, what I what I continue to think about on a daily amidst all the other things, and I was thinking about the skinning this morning, um, just thinking about the opportunity to not double down on fossil fuel reliance right now in the wake of not one, but and there is a, a considerable war going on, um, you know, in our world right now. But there's many and there's several and there's an opportunity within that. And again, I mean that respectfully, knowing that there are people suffering um, unnecessarily right now to go towards in this country instead of saying, oh, we're going to open up these reserves and go do this. And maybe I should look at, you know, um, these sort of lease sales and put that energy and effort into renewables. I mean, it's so clear. And this is not new. I'm far from the only pair. There's hundreds of people having this conversation in this context right now, somewhere else. And um, that's a good thing because that wasn't the case. I think about that with my students right now, too. I'm like, you live within climate as part of your constant conversation. It wasn't for me. You know, I remember the first time I read an IPCC report or an executive summary and I was like, wow, this is considerable. This is this is something that affects all of life. And I remember feeling that gravity um, at a younger time in life, even when I didn't really grasp it. And I'm still grasping it. I work on it all the time. You know, I taught a whole semester course on climate change um, with a phenomenal group of students um, this past spring. We just finished like a couple of weeks ago. But still, you're always learning. And that's the thing is this is always ongoing. So, yes, you do need to start again somewhere. Um, but you gotta, once you're there and you're feeling good, feeling like you're doing something, where else can you amplify? How do you tie into community? It always goes back. I would, I would argue respectfully again, that it goes back to community. Where can you tie into community and then keep amplifying from there? If policy is still continuing to put the reliance where it is today, that's what we're going to get, you know? Yeah. I don't think I have a rebuttal to that. Cause I think I just agree with you. Yeah. Um, and I, 
you know, I think the the major key point to hit and you hit it is you're not perfect and none of us are perfect. And I think we maybe sell that like, you know, people read the things and they like think like, oh, I can't do all that. And it's like, you don't have to do all that. You just you don't. Like, if you're going to fail, fail while trying, right? Like, that's, like, one of my favorite, just, like, I don't know who said it or why. It could be from, like, the natural, like, the old baseball movie. But, like, it's one of those things that, like, just take the baby steps to get there. Take the step. Like, that's it. It's just the little things. And my, again, two-stroke dirt bike guy, like, I love the idea of these electric dirt bikes. Like, I, like I'm, I'm excited about it. But then I'm like, okay, I'm at camp where we ride our dirt bikes. And now I'm burning this diesel generator to charge my electric dirt bike. And I'm like, where is the, I don't know. And it's learning and we're growing and we're figuring it out. Maybe, you know, I have a solar array on my trailer that then powers batteries. And that, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting that, you know, and globally even just the u.s nationally electric cars they're popping up it's awesome it's exciting but we don't have the infrastructure yet for electric cars but as you said are we looking to actually build the infrastructure for electric cars or are we just you know opening up more barrels and more reserves like we're spending the money maybe in the wrong places i don't know i'm not here to to decide that but it's like I put a lot of miles on my car. So like an electric van right now that gets 160 mile range doesn't fit for what I want to do yet. But like, I don't know. I it's I love this topic because I'm like, I like to not play devil's advocate because like I'm, I'm with you, but like I don't, there are some things that you're just like, like that's not there yet. But your yeah. your rebuttal is like, well, let's take the steps to get there. Yeah. And I think, again, I, I keep saying, I'll, I'll keep saying, and I do think respect's a heavy, important word, but I say respectfully, I'm thinking about that with, there's a couple of the students too. I just like, I can feel them laughing right now. We had a good space um, this spring, but it's, you know, keep doing that. That I think that's healthy, but remember, I mean, my offering I made to you is incremental acts lead to cumulative change. And I'm also thinking of one of my favorite Howard's in quotes right now, you can't be neutral in a moving train. You know, um, you've got to act in some way, shape or form. And then, you know what else? I don't think it lands very well with a lot of folks, but I know for me and thinking um, from some of my mentors in terms of seven generations and what true sustainability is, which is like not what we want anyways, but we're not there. So we need to get to sustainability to get to regeneration, which is the ultimate goal is like, you don't have to do everything. Right. And you're saying this too. You don't have to be perfect. And guess what? You might not see. And you being me, being us all living here today right now, we might not see the changes that we want to see and that we're working on in our lifetimes. Guess what? Get over it. You know, it's still the right way to walk in this world and make a contribution rather than to not. And no, you shouldn't lose sleep over you got the electric snow machine or dirt bike and then you're using diesel. You know, just like you shouldn't lose sleep over, guess what? I got solar and you're like, yeah, where'd you get that panel from? You know, <laughs> yeah. if you understand the toxicity and some um, old school solar and a lot of that's changing right now. I mean, look, we live in a complex world. There's not, um, 
you know, since the industrial age, you know, a lot of these things have moved against the grain of being in balance and in tune. And that's the world we live in. There's an acceptance with that, but there's also an acceptance of not just saying that has to be the way that it is that I know for certain one thing that brought me into more in the educator space was this idea of being around groups of people and being able to work on these ideas that, you know what, maybe what we really want to see out there just has, hasn't been done yet. And it's going to take a while. And there's like something that feels rough about that to be like, Ooh, I don't know what it is. Cause I get this all the time. Cause I, I was that person for a long time and maybe I still do it with certain folks, but I used to just be like, what's the answer? Like not the answer, just give me the instant gratification. Cause we live in that world too. But like, I'm like, okay, I put in the time. I, I want to know like, what is the pathway to, to get away from climate catastrophe? What is the pathway um, to get rid of socially constructed forms of oppression? How do we move past racism? How do you move past environmental destruction? How do you move past these things? And it's like, well, it's a lot more than that, you know, but you got to take those steps and work towards it again. And um, maybe it'll just come down the line. Maybe it'll happen tomorrow. I mean, that's, I'll just throw that out there, but it's like that, that idea of like, maybe those systems that really are more in tune. Um, are just part of those things just haven't been created yet, but we're working on them slowly right now, even though a lot of times it feels frustrating or there's many days that I feel like I, you know, went to take one big step forward and I slipped back too, you know, but I'm still going to keep walking, you know, and, and I appreciate hearing what, what, you know, you're sharing and um, some of the folks that I get to work with in the mountains and a lot of times students that I get to work with and these other folks that don't have choice, I think is really important too, of whether to work on something or not, um, because it's in their backyard and in their life every single day um, and they can't escape it. You know, all of those things, are, are at the table. So again, like finding community in that and ways to just um, make the contribution rather than to, as, as important it is to think about it, um, still want to make the contribution in some way, shape or form. That's important. Yeah. And I think the biggest answer right now is this, it's the conversation. Yeah. That's the answer right now. I mean, the, the answer is evolving and we don't have the answer and that's okay. But the answer is like, okay, we've started the conversation like we have great organizations that are doing that, i.e. we'll plug again, protect our winners. Okay, the conversation's been started. Now let's keep having it. Let's have ambassadors talking about it, coming on podcasts, going to, you know, city town hall meetings, going to village meetings, going to like it's starting. Like it's not it's not a sprint. It's it's an ultra at this point. Like, but conversation oh, yeah. and just and I'm not I agree with you on every aspect, but like, I can't, we can't just have a podcast where I just sit here and agree with you either. <laughs> that doesn't make good com It doesn't make thought provoking conversation, but it's getting those people to. And I think you especially understand. And again, I'll regurgitate, but it's like, no one's perfect and that's cool. And let's just take these mini steps. It's, it's having, you know, as I'm drinking out of a glass bottle, but like having a refillable water bottle, that's a little step. You go to your office nine to five every day, fill your water up. That's a step. That's something in the correct direction that we can be doing to just offset something else that you can't control. Totally. And, it's, and same with coffee for the us coffee drinkers or tea drinkers. You know, that was one of my, that was like my first, one of my first lessons. I still remember that, you know, in that teen 
time where all of a sudden I was like, Ooh, I like coffee too. This is like, cool. You know, like so funny to say that out loud to like, think (laughs) about it like that now. But I remember being like, I get a coffee cup going to the coffee shop was a thing. And once you start seeing that all it takes is that one little something, you know, that that can turn into something else. I think that there's a lot of good in that. And, um, my hope is that once people start to do those little things, then they start to see the bigger things as well. And tying into other organizations or, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like one of the things that I connected with you around is that we have a mutual friend, um, who I believe, I mean, it's like my, my zoom backdrop here. I think it's cool. I actually haven't used zoom in a little bit (laughs) and I like that my name just popped up and my backdrop I always use popped up. I'm like, Oh sweet. Yeah. Like, cause I lived on zoom for a hot minute, like I'm still teaching some uh, classes in between when we were in peak pandemic, we're still in it in various ways. But um, yeah, um, to me that represents like, I look at that backdrop or, you know, this work from where this came from. And um, those are tangible examples of working towards something that's like, yeah, if you can protect that, you can protect a lot more too. Um, So I think it's important too, for us in our, especially in our, I've appreciated the wave, you know, the different, I mean, I, I think I'd really want to say it was a, it's a different swell that I've noticed over time, over the past several years of more outdoor folks being um, even more hyper linked into their surroundings and what they do and recognizing the impacts of um, people on the planet and how they can be positive stewards and ambassadors. Um, in addition to going out and engaging outside. I think that that, to me, I get as fired up about that as about anything. And again, I actually, if we had this conversation years ago, I'm sure I would sound a bit differently because I was a bit more absolutist about what I thought um, because I was figuring it out too. Just like, I think, honestly, we're all figuring it out to some degree. Um, But, you know, much more open now to being like, find your inspiration, find your passion, go in that direction see where you can make that that contribution. And I love that it's in the beginning, it was like almost weird to be like, Oh, I'm skiing with someone who's like, not just backcountry skiing to like get away from like resort vibes or ski this line, but like, they're very much like having like a moment of just like breaking trail out deep for like 12 hours. And like knowing that they're just out here skiing pow. The only thing that they're leaving is their tracks. The end of the day. Um, you know, and they care about protecting like the watershed that they're in, you know, different things like that. I think that that's becoming more and more a part of conversations. And I really, really appreciate that. and happy to um, be a part of that in any way that I possibly can, you know, and glad that other people are just in it, you know, and down with it. Yeah. It's cool to see like the evolution of like athlete or the outdoor athlete. Cause you have like, like I grew up on Sean Palmer, right? Like, badass dirt biker skier snowboarder like did it all but he was like he was a badass that was like his thing and it wasn't like it now it's cool to care then it was cool to not care like go to bars trash the bars trash your hotel room put it on your card you didn't the evolution of the athlete has changed and there's still your punks like that. We got the world's got to have punks, but now we have like, you know, and we had him then, but like leaders like Jeremy Jones, who are like, I mean, he's, 
he's been such a, for lack of a better term, mascot for this. And he lives it. I don't mean mascot in a bad way. I mean, and like, he is an emblem. He is an icon for like living what you preach and like still doing everything you love and creating like sustainable products and, you know, leaving only tracks and the amount of personal time, at least from the outside looking in. And like, I'm sure it's even more, but like that, that guy spends on caring about our planet that he doesn't have to do that. He could just, he could just retire and just do whatever he wants and ride chairlifts secretly. And, and he still rides some chairlifts, but like, he doesn't have to do that. And the fact that he is, is just a testament to his character. But long story long, he, in my opinion, started the evolution of making it cool to care. And maybe that's just my opinion, but. No, I, I share that a bit too. And it's a little more personal since, you know, he's a good friend. And uh, someone I very much value spending time with when we can link and go um, out in the Skinner together um, and catch up and, and all of those things, you know, uh, he's a busy guy, but I'll tell you in the most, you know, genuine way that I can um, in the time that I've spent with him getting to the point that I can call him a good friend. I mean, when we go out together, those are the conversations that we have, but he's like one of those friends that we can, we breach a lot. We have a bunch of different connections in a sense, but I don't, I don't deny anything that you just said. I think that, that he very much did that. And if you get to know him more, he's authentic. Like he's thinking about it too. He wants his products to be as in line as possible um, with the, with the earth, you know, and done so in, um, in good manners and he also wants to go shred and that's a thing too you know it's oh, like yeah. when you were saying well i'm super earlier in our conversation you're like i'm way more into biking and i'm like sick that's what you should be doing what's your what's your vibe telling you like i for a long time like you know just even this morning still it's not it's creeping summer's creeping in but i'm like oh i got about another month i think before um, I really got to let it go, but the day, the daily, the way I take it on as a day to day or everyday practice, like it becomes harder. And then I feel like I'm forcing it a bit more, but I still have like some time of volcanoes and riding my bike to, like, places, blah, blah, blah. but, but Jared's on that too. He wants to go do that too. It, like, it's not, um, just like, Oh, look, I'm a Epic snowboarder. And now I'm going to talk about this. Like he, he believes it too. And I think it's, he deserves that credit and respect. Um, I mean, I'll never forget one of the coolest. You just are making me think of this, but um, the first time he came into one of my classrooms, this was years ago and uh, we were out shredding somewhere. I don't even remember where we were shredding, which at the time I, I would have been like, Oh yeah, we went shredding here. You know, like I would remember, but what I really remember is I was like, Hey, you know, I'm teaching this class and I think it'd be really cool uh, for you to come in. And he was already, I mean, such high demand, but hadn't done a lot of that kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'd be stoked to come into your class. And I remember just kind of like, you know, all kid in the candy store, a little giggly, like, Oh, I wonder, you know, cause where I teach, I'm like, there's going to be somebody here. That's like, Oh, Holy shit. You know? Yeah. Um, super fans. 
And, but you know, what happened was it, it was awesome. Half the class was like, Oh my God, Jeremy Jones is in my classroom, like <laughs> in my regular class. And Brennan just said that he had like a guest coming and who, you know, I like to think that I bring really cool guests to the table when I do that. Um, but again, you know, you're, you're still, this is a college class we're talking about, you know? And then the other half had no idea who he was, which I also thought was amazing because he gave his presentation just like he would give his presentation. And we had a really cool conversation after the fact um, about the substance of what he spoke to. Um, It was just, it was a rad, rad experience. And now I'm just kind of going on about that. But um, I do think that he really helped take the step and deserves the respect for being like, I can do these things. Um, and have been doing them to such a degree, I'm going to shift my own way, but I'm also going to work towards policy shifts and make my platform and voice heard in a way that honors like my ethics and what I believe. And to me, that, that's, that's a pretty righteous way to be, you know, and has been a leader for so many of us to, to look towards, you know? Um, and I love that because I, I honestly think that I mentioned it for a second um, at some point in this conversation, but You know, I do think a lot of it, especially what I feel in the mountains and have felt, you know, the, the deep sense of gratitude, it's almost hard to articulate what it is because, you know, it's, uh, so grateful to have that experience and feel the way, um, that it feels to continue to go out there and be like, all right, the summer or the, the snow's going away. It's time for some other way to engage whether it's on the trail or on the rock or my next favorite thing is, is catching waves, you know, um, so it's, it's still that like embodiment sort of piece, but there's a reciprocity to the gratitude, you know? And I do think that if you're, if you force it good on me for trying, but you're not going to like keep with it, what is it going to do? Cause I've done a bunch of that too. I, Cause I've tried and I failed and I'm like, what's my real reciprocity. That's something that I can do. That's authentic that I can really commit to. Cause uh, just like the earth teaches us and just like the, the line of study that I found myself in. I mean, these are things that are not short term. We just live in a society that like kind of prioritizes these short term gains. Um, this is a, this is about the long term. This is about looking like much deeper, I think. Um, and if you can like wrap your head around that and again, let go of some of the things that it's like, Oh, I might be working towards something I might not ever see in my lifetime. But if you can remember think beyond yourself, you know, and think about whether you think about the, oh, it's my kids or their kids, or if you don't have kids, just like other generations. Again, I think the seven generation vibe is and mentality is crucial. Um, That is, I would offer like, that's the way, you know? Yeah. It's, it's in simplest terms, it's cool to care. And it's, it's, it's it's important and we might never see it. And I think people like yourself and, Jeremy and having these conversations are the most important thing in my opinion. And maybe that's just cause I podcast, but like the most important thing that we can do right now is just educating. And like, you know, these aren't always easy for me to, it's not a woe is me moment, but like you're way more educated than I am on this subject, but like I can either be intimidated or I can learn and I can like, and you can, you know, you can handle that two ways too. You can be like, this guy's an idiot. Like, but, or you can be like, Hey, take the small steps and do what you can do and keep evolving. And like, there's nothing rather than that. And that's like, I don't know that it's, you know, am I 
I don't know. I don't know if I'll have an impact. I just hope I someday do. And all I can do is continue to move forward and make these little steps and just continue to, you know, I, I say it a lot. It's as I'm rambling, it's shut up and listen, right? Like I, you know, I interview a lot of female guests, female athletes, and like, I can't relate to what they're going through as a female professional athlete. Like I, I can't, I'm a white blonde hair, blue eyed male. Like if I was good at sport, then people would care. So it's fun for me to just shut up and listen, which is a funny thing to say after I just rambled for two minutes, but it's great. So thank you for just sharing your thoughts and sights. I want to skip, I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but I want to skip to a couple other things that you do. Um, return to roots was a movie project you were involved in, I believe. And did it get cut short with COVID? Did you finish it during COVID? I know there was some pandemic turmoil maybe, or maybe, Whoa, dude. Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. You can take it from yeah, there. You know, you made me think of that when you were explaining or just kind of introing me because that was like, so that was the last big travels before um, COVID. And that was a trip that all of those different identities for the most part kind of linked up in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, I just finished teaching um, the end of the fall semester. Um, I, had a great family time, I remember, and then went off to um, Macedonia first as a ski consultant to work over there with a phenomenal group. We'll give a shout out to Shar Outdoors. You ever want to go hang in the Balkans? Epic crew of people, um, super cool ski culture. Um, so I was working in that capacity there, taking photos, writing a story, and then I jumped to Georgia to guide an expedition. Um, in incredible, I mean, Georgia, what an incredible place in the caucus uh, to ski. I had a friend who is now crushing it as a lead guide, who was my tail guide, good friend. And um, that was a big trip for, I think, he and I to just kind of lead together in that place. And um, again, phenomenal wearing of a different hat. And then I went from there to China, um, to the Altai, not just, yeah, to the Altai, not just like, I don't know, China is a huge country. Um, huge, but, um, yeah, that project was like a dream project for me in a sense, like how it was scripted to go to the roots of where did skiing come from? Because I love, the more I've learned about that narrative, it reminds me of being young and all the like tight pant wearing, um, you know, wine sipping kind of like upper echelon, like, oh, we're skiing and we're like elite and better than other people vibe was like it made me sick when I was young, not even knowing what that was. But interestingly enough, all the like, you know, tie dye wearing long hair, bearded, scruffy peeps that were airing over things and having the other people look at them. I was like, those dudes know it up. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's the direction. And I think about that, but I was also like, where, honestly, where did skiing come from? Skiing is like on certain levels, so incredibly unsustainable and so greenwashes its whole scene um, what, what are the real roots? And the real roots are argued to be in the Altai. That's why we were there. That's why we started that project. Um, and it's the oldest known evidence. So again, that's humans being like, we know the answer. The evidence is here. And it's like, well, do you really know? Um, you can make, you can um, position that, you know, you can throw that as an offering out there because there is archaeological evidence in the caves that date back 10 to 12,000 years BCE, right? So that's the oldest known evidence that we have. 
And then Malchian, our indigenous um, guide out there, I mean, he was just incredible. Like, seriously, I wrote about this and I gave interviews about it. I have, it is one of the most special experiences I've ever had in my life to see this person walk into the forest, grab one morning, grab a carefully selected log to harvest and turn it into a pair of skis that were skiable by the end of the day by, by hand. Um, absolutely incredible. And he explained, we asked him about it. He's like, what are the true origins, you know, that of, of skiing in Colm in the village of Colm. And he's like, well, initially it was to stay afloat of the snow and to be able to go hunt and survive makes total sense. Right. Like that's really born out of necessity. And then he's like, but now we really enjoy it and we really have a good time. And I'm like, joy, you know, this is the other thing about some of the things they do. Like when I get to like Brennan, like I have a couple people that are like, you are the biggest contradiction, you know, like you're like a sustainability professor and like you've traveled all over the world multiple times and blah, 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 da, 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 da. And I'm just like, do you hear what you're talking about though? Like there's an aspect of joy in who we are in living. That's so crucial too. And the individual burdens born from living in a world in which we, which we live. I mean, it's just quite frankly, not fair. Um, can you still stare on those things and make changes? Yeah, for sure. And we, I think we already kind of, we kind of talked about that some more. I could talk about that um, for a lot, for a long time. I mean, I've been studying it for honestly to date myself about two decades now, and it's not something just when you feel like you figure something out, guess what? You can figure out anything. You're just along the journey. Right. But in comb there in the Altai, that was incredible to experience that and see like, this is the roots of skiing. You know, it's not like, you know, fancy gear that does this or that, or, and it reminds me of watching the badasses and sham and the 70s skiing things that still to this day are some of the raddest things anybody's ever skied on whatever equipment they had, like be real about that stuff. Right. Um, and Mountain was, was incredible. That experience was incredible, but the COVID thing was next level. Um, because we woke up one day and our, we had two translators on this trip because mainly they speak Kazakh in that area. Um, and then we had a, a Mandarin translator as well. And uh, yeah, the Kazakh translator one day, she's just like, we're like, good morning. So any updates on this like thing that we hear is like kind of like something's going on. She's like, oh yeah. So apparently if we don't get out of the village soon, we might be here for many weeks or the foreseeable future. And I'm like, what what does that even mean many weeks with a foreseeable future like that was that was scary you know and um things just kind of ramped up from there it was the first time i I decently traveled human in my life and i i haven't been in a place where i felt so it was really difficult um with language barriers and various customs to communicate and i found ways over time to do that with language or 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 other, it was just really hard. It felt like very isolated in a sense, but that was like part of our invitation to be there and be a part of this project. Um, but yeah, all of a sudden it was just like, we've got to get out of here um, and find a way. And the only way we got out was our other translator. Um, awesome dude, Jeff from Boston, Mass. I haven't talked to Jeff in a little bit. It's man, he's awesome. He has spent a bunch of time in the Altai and he was able to contact one of his diplomatic friends that he met that ended up being a police law enforcement sort of escort to get us out of the village. And that was the only way we were going to get out. And as I'm 
think about it in your mind. It already sounds like kind of a scenario, right? And then we finally, we're the last, we're the only like kind of Westerners in the, in the zone there in the village, like kind of shut down at this point. And we're like the only people around. Um, and we barely, we barely made it out, but we're, we're in the vehicles. Everybody's super nice. We're like, well, I guess we're going to make it to the airport. And we got like a day or so to get out of here before apparently all the airports are shutting down. And we're like, just trying to, you know, take the lessons I've learned over time and not freak out you can only control what you can control like what's the point of freaking out but it was kind of like nerve-wracking to say the least and then we started driving the road out and it had been snowing the whole time we were there and there were several not just one several avalanches covering the only road out of the village and you're like you can't even you know as a good friend that i love would say you can't make this shit up <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> can't make this up can't make this stuff up it's like incredible and we're like well i guess we're going to end up stuck in the village or i don't know what we're going to do the diplomat somehow made a call and uh you know some snow crews ended up coming out and excavating clearing the road basically it took several hours and um they finally got the road out like some of the crew there's pictures um you know of like this snow tunnel and we made it through the snow tunnel long story short made it to this hotel um, to sleep for a couple of hours. And the next day we made the last, some of the last flights out of the country, essentially. Um, you know, it was, that was a pretty wild one. And then I landed in San Francisco and I remember sitting there with Caitlin Farrington, what a phenomenal human she is. Um, you know, just being like, so what do we do? Like, should we get checked or do, what if we like had this thing or, you know, and I called a couple doctor friends and, talk to him but why I'm, I'm thinking of that right now is the whole head processor i was like well i'm glad we escaped that and hopefully that covid thing like goes away in china and didn't really think much of it i thought that was the end of like that you know and then like that was the end of january right um early feb end of jan so then like a month and a half later all of a sudden it's like covid is like a yeah no one could have predicted that i was yeah. i was in the west shore um oh wow i was they were calling for that six foot storm. They got six feet of snow. I skied Palisades on the Saturday and then um, all the Val resorts closed. And I was like, please stay open for tomorrow. <laughs> like this is setting up to be my best resort powder day of my life. Of life. And then they closed and I was like, man. Ugh. And then I was like, okay, I, I had a, a touring buddy who I, trusted but i didn't really know where i was as far as like you know you literally got six foot of snow so i went and uh ski toured at homewood and that was all like locked down but i like went through that really rich neighborhood i don't know the chambers or something is there chambers landing or so like oh yeah went, Ooh, you were a little ways away but yeah yeah but i, I earned my, it i, I had my little roots through there too buddy I, oh. <laughs> so i found my way through um and skied I don't know, Homewood over there, skied some steep, I knew there were steep, steep trees that I would be like safe-ish in, um, and then I knew it went to low angle, and I would just have to basically skin out, because there was so much snow, but it was weird, you know, it was like a two-week, again, not the same situation you were in, but like, I didn't know, and then I went to Tahoe City to like grocery shop, and they were just picked, because everyone from San Francisco had come, it was like, it was bizarre and we could have never predicted it. And again, I'm not comparing it to your situation, but like it, it, we just didn't know. And you coming home two months early and thinking like, Oh, that's the end of that. 
and then you know we don't need to talk about what happened next <laughs> it's still happening but it's yeah. like i you know i wanted to talk about it because i knew some of the story and I, that, that's why i just kind of wanted to say it and let you talk about it because it's like i'll just leave you to chat about this whole thing and it's crazy because it was such an like amazing project that got cut short kind of yeah like is there hopes to rehash that someday or i think so i think that chris you know the the guy that um kind of uh you know created or conceived the idea if you will i think he still wants to follow through with that and i know for myself i mean i'm deeply interested in that and it it wasn't i mean a lot of these things have come later in life with the uh, idea of like yeah skiing's not this thing i just do once in a while it's like an sounds like all like whoa but it's like no it's like you know every day you go do something it's like that's what i want to go do until it's gone right and um sitting with that and like that whole idea of where did skiing come from i think it's fascinating and i think that that time in the altai was um, amazing. And I'd love to go, I've been in Lapland. I've done some guiding, um, guided, uh, some great trips up in the Lapland zone. And that's like, you know, Norway, Sweden, Finland. Um, and that's like also part of the origin stories and would love to go in there. Um, I'd love to go into the Urals in Russia, but even saying the Russia out loud right now, like, no, that's like a, that's like not something to yeah. even no. consider anytime in the in the foreseeable um for many reasons you know but um that's another area that's of uh that ski origin of, of interest i think the whole story and then uh kyrgyzstan which i've guided in as well so some of these places i've actually like been through there and had these times but even in kyrgyzstan like that wasn't a part of my mentality at the time um i didn't realize that the tian shan and that relationship in the altai was like that i would love to go um, back to some of those places and just, you know, continue to understand that story more. I think that ultimately, if you think about what we're talking about too, I think the more people that know that I would love for more people to understand the roots of this sport and know that, you know, you should feel disgusted at 200 plus dollar lift tickets and know it's not accessible to have like a new kit cost thousands of dollars for folks. And, that's like a deeper conversation in terms of, again, um, societally and whatnot, uh, where the industry is at, but finding ways that skiing can still be accessible to people with, you know, in the acknowledgement of those barriers. I think that that's crucial, you know, and to know that it can't, it didn't come from um, the elite places that sometimes it's, it's put out there to be, you know? Yeah. And even as simple as like, okay, maybe, you know, you're, your kit does cost a thousand dollars. You don't have to get a new one every year. Like these kits are good. They last a long time. So like, yeah, it's an investment, but like you can run that Philo jacket for six years, seven years, like eight years, like take care of it. Use some tech wash. It's, it's the, you know, it's, I'm part of the problem. You know, we read ads at the beginning of this and it's like, it's the consumerism that we're driving sometimes. You need a way to support what you're doing too. And one of the pieces I didn't say a little bit ago when we were talking in in the other space was like you having a podcast in a place where you are the person in a position that can kind of 
um, frame questions and steer people in certain ways. And I kind of be like, this is what I'd like to talk about. Let's see what they talk about. You have a platform where somebody else listening to this could be like, listen to this dude, Brennan, like who beat a coop, you know, like it could be that, or it could be like, Oh, I found some value. And what that dude, I never heard about what his name is said and you're a part of making that available throughout the various people that you talk to. So that is going back to something that's important. And I don't know how else you do support um, from other podcasters and such, like how else do you support yourself right now? You know what I mean? And like having ads in the most ideal world, having ads from someone that you believe in or support, you know, would be great. A great, a great way to like, kind of come together if you will. Cause you need to support yourself too. Just like Flylo, I love, you know, no, no shameless plug for I love Flylo and love working with them and have for years. I think they're a great company. Um, you know, they need to like keep their doors open too. And I don't think that Dan, the president who I love hanging with and love that our athlete or whatever meetings end up being like skiing or like um, hanging out on the water or something like that. Um, I think that another company that always that people are like, oh, if I hear about them one more time, like, man, I'm like, no, Patagonia deserves it. Patagonia deserves the respect that they um, get in so many various ways um, because of the way that they're like, oh, you know, use this until it wears out. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. Send it back to us. Um, their action works network. People are like, Hey, at the end of this podcast, he talked about some stuff. Like, where do I go to like, um, try to figure something out? I'm like, well, if you want to know about my backdrop and the protecting the Arctic refuge, send me a message. Guess what? Patagonia does that too. Go to Patagonia action works. I, I, I don't even, um, I had, I worked with them very minimally, like years ago, I have no direct affiliation with them at all, but like, I really respect the work that they do because they're ones that are like, um, putting it out there for us all. That's, it, it's important. You know, it's important to be like, cause people want to know, um, okay, I just listened to something. What do I do now? Or, or how can I do this? You know what I mean? Um, for sure. And I think, you know, Patagonia stepping up and doing that it's it's the same thing as the as the Jeremy Jones we'll call it the Jeremy Jones theory like it takes one to be like hey this this matters so like Jeremy Jones maybe did it with athletes again in my opinion maybe someone listening will argue it and say it was whoever what okay but like now Patagonia steps up and now maybe you know the North Face steps up and like maybe you know that's that's how we create change is by oh yeah you, know, you, you just did it because North Face you know again I don't from what I know, which, you know, is only what I know. I mean, North Face like responded. They're huge. I used to go to out or outdoor retailer, oh, yeah. you know, all the time back in the day, especially, um, you know, shopping myself as an athlete and being like, okay, I got this little sponsor here. How do I get, how does this work? You know, and in those years where that was occupying more of my mind. Um, and I remember being like schooled in that and they're like, oh yeah, North Face gets their whole, their own floor. And I was like, I'm going to this little booth being like, yeah, here's my athlete packet. And you seem cool, you know, as a brand. Yeah. You know, and just kind of, you know, just trying to figure it out And North face has their whole, the whole floor. And you're just like, wow, that's, that's a lot of influence. That's a lot of power. But I think that they have, they responded to Patagonia in a sense. And For you know sure. what, look at what, 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 um, to come back to fly low and my, in my connect with them, I think that they, do what they can do and do it in a really rootsy community centric way. Um, you know, they give, uh, totally give back to pow. They totally give to winter wildlands Alliance. They totally give to these, um, other entities that they see, see doing good work in various communities. There's no 
sliding um, world. It's rad, you know, and I think that that's going to keep coming. I, I, I mean, what are you going to do right now? Be the brand that's like F all these people and everybody like, I, you know, <laughs> right. there, there's a whole, there's a whole group of those humans too. So you, that, as I try to do my best, remember what I keep saying to like, I never mean to be disrespectful. Like when that comes up in classes with students, you're like, what about climate deniers? What about these people that believe in, you know, that they should tell other people what to do with their bodies and rights and all these things. I'm like, well, if you want to identify as being part of those people in those communities, this is what you're signing up for, you know? And if you don't want to sign up for that, come over here, but don't try to pretend that you can just kind of be like, well, this is the only one thing I care about. That only one thing intersects with so many other things. You know, everything's connected. And the more that you can understand that, the more you'll see that you can't just silo out those one particular issues and be like, oh, I'm just going to go over here because that feels better. And these people seem a little more. It's like, no, you got to see, got to see the connection. You know, I, I love that so much. Um, trying to keep this at about an hour. Brennan, where can people find you? What's the easiest way? I know you have a website. We'll link that below. Um, is Instagram a good source for them and any sponsors or brands or just people to thank while you have the air here? Oh, geez. That's like a lot, but, um, <laughs> the end piece, but, um, I don't do as much as I used to. Um, but I still, you know, put things on, on social for sure. Um, my handles all go back to state of the Backcountry. Um, it, that was a column that I used to write. Um, and because I was out every single day, um, it became state of the backcountry and all of my, uh, you know, all of my kind of socials, you know, I have a Facebook page, I have an Instagram state of the backcountry and my site is still that too. And I try to keep that, um, reasonably updated, but as you said, with all the things going on, um, sometimes you put your energy in other places, but those are, those are the best places there. Um, beyond that. You said brands and connects. Um, I am proud to be, you know, uh, ambassador in Alliance member uh, with Protect Our Winners, Winter Wildlands Alliance, done work with uh, the Tahoe Backcountry Alliance, our, our local crew here, uh, worked with Flylo for years and Praxis Skis, handmade skis in Lake Tahoe for many, many years and um, have other various um, ski sponsors and support that... Um, I am grateful too. And then um, your last piece was uh, people to give thanks to. I mean, like, geez. <laughs> just roll credits. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's the roll credits. But uh, the quickest thing I'd say about that is like, you know, I constantly think about my core three things. And the core is like well being of my family. I have a wonderful partner, um, Jillian Raymond, who has her own podcast, um, Juicy Bits. Um, she works with Coalition Snow. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that's my partner. And then our uh, our four-year-old Micah, um, she skied every month of her life so far. So that's pretty cool. That's I amazing. think for old Micah, uh, young Micah, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> that's the core, you know, and that's the thanks. And then beyond that, it's like get outside every day. Hopefully it's skiing, but I, I enjoy other things too. And then what's that reciprocity piece, right? And that's the contribution. So teaching over the years or my backdrop here in the Arctic Refuge, I'll be back in the Arctic Refuge. Um, the wonderful gathering I'm so looking forward to, you know, that's something I've focused on for, um, for years now through an invitation made by uh, a mentor and someone I respect beyond words that I can put together. Um, uh, Sarah James, uh, Sarah James is a Netside Gwich'in elder from Arctic Village, Alaska. And because of our connection, yeah, that's where that works come from. And that's something I really 
focus on in addition to all these other things. But in the Arctic Refuge, if you can protect the Arctic Refuge, we can protect a lot of other places too. That's that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother scene. But I, I think if you care about um, culture, you care about people, and you understand that the value of the oil that might be there that could, the U.S. could burn for six months and then leave irreparable damage to a place that's so healthy and thriving that there's places like that that don't even exist anymore in this world, um, you can find uh, you can find solidarity in that and contribute to that. And I think that places like the refuge help reinforce how important it is to protect our own backyards too, you know? So how's that? That's about as, I love that. I think you as good it. as I can do. You can tell I, I can rap with you for days, man. I, I love it. We're going to, we'll have to revisit and go even deeper. Um, Brennan, thank you. Thank you again. I thank you in the beginning, but thank you for making it work. I know we had some just scheduling issues and then you were traveling. We were going to do it in an airport. So we got it done. We got it done in the studio, which is better. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you too. I, I mean, we're T minus going back to the volcanoes here in a second for some more shredding. So I, I'm, I'm glad that it lined up. Um, appreciate the time and the wrap and, uh, We'll have to link up on a on a single track or a skin track sometime here soon. I love it. Thanks, man.